Well, this morning, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of 1 John. I've got about 22 scriptures plus that I'm probably going to refer to or look at this morning. It's going to be full of the Word. Um, this morning, we're doing an unstoppable series. We're in part three. We'll finish this next weekend. It's called The Secret of Confidence. You know, confidence is uh, an amazing word. It's interesting. Um, in sports, uh, whenever an athlete loses confidence, they're in trouble. Uh, when we lose our confidence in life, we're in trouble. We, we tend to, to get off the path and, and, and go a different direction. This morning, at the very top of your notes that were handed to you, I want you to look at this message, Truth, with me. We're talking about being unstoppable in our relentless pursuit of God. It says, unstoppable believers learn that their confidence comes strictly from God. When we have a right relationship with Christ, our lives display an unstoppable confidence that propels us through life's journey because of a God confidence. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. But this confidence thing, it's a, it's a very fascinating word. If, if you have confidence and you have too much of it and you're self-confident, you're overconfident, they call you arrogant. They call you prideful. And if you don't have any self-confidence or there's no confidence in your life, you might be considered weak or, man, depressed or discouraged or distraught or something. And Terry Bradshaw, he was a quarterback during the era when I was going to high school, great quarterback of the Steelers. He once said this, he says, what's the worst thing that can happen to a quarterback? And I'm thinking, what, lose your hair? No, that's not what he said. He says, when a quarterback loses his confidence, the team is going south. They're in trouble. Well, that's a sports analogy. But it's the same with us. When we lose our compass, when we lose our confidence in God, when we lose the confidence that God has somehow worked in us, our confidence in our ability to do a job and to do it well or to, or to be a good student or, or to be a good musician, or you just get your confidence shaken. And it can get a little tough. It can get a little place of darkness and despair. There's four common thieves of confidence. I want you to write these down. These aren't in your notes. These are just kind of extra material. There's four thieves that, that come to squelch. They, they come to rob you and me of confidence all the time. I call them confidence zappers. They just zap it out of you. Number one, guilt. If you got guilt in your life, and hopefully this morning, Maybe you got relieved of that guilt before you came to God's table, but when guilt begins to overrule us and we're plagued by it, we get destroyed because we're ashamed of our past deeds. So that guilt can, can really slow us down. Well, how could God love me? How, how could he really love me with all the stuff that I've done? So guilt zaps us. Let me give you a second one. Loneliness. Oh, I, I feel all alone. So there's no confidence. And then let me tell you what can happen. We're, we're assembled with a lot of people in the living room this morning. That's what I call the sanctuary, the living room. So all these people coming into this edifice to gather. And yet, you can be around a lot of people and you can be alone. And you might have come in alone this morning seeking a relationship, and I pray you'll find it in Christ. Maybe you came seeking a friendship, and I pray that you'll find it in a friend. Let me just put a plug in. It's when we do small groups at this church. It's why small groups is our DNA. We come in here for celebratory participation in worship and teaching of God. And we break out to be in mission to the world. But we gather in small groups community 
to pray and to share and to study and to fellowship and to do life together. So if you're not a part of a small group, you might feel alone. If you haven't joined a ministry team, I could very easily say that you could gather on this church campus and we're not even a big church, but you feel alone. You don't have to be alone. Here's the third one. Fear of the future. Fear of the future will zap your confidence. Man, I'm afraid what tomorrow might bring. Have you seen my portfolio, Pastor? Have you seen my savings account? That's what they say it is. It's pitiful. It's got $5 in it. Or have you seen this? Have, have you seen my diagnosis? Have you, seen what, have you heard what the doctor told me? Have, have you seen this situation? I, I'm afraid of what my kids are going to do. Oh, I'm going to lose my house. Short sale, foreclosures in the near future. Oh, that could zap your confidence. My kid's performance, if my kid doesn't perform, they're going to get kicked out of the school. That will frustrate and worry moms and dads. And moms and dads said, okay. Usually they pick it up. It doesn't bother the kid as much, but it bothers mom and dad. Here's a fourth one. Confusion and indecision. There's a fork in the middle of the road. And you can't make a decision. So your confidence goes. You have paralysis of analysis you just you just sit there you don't do anything vince lombardi the great coach says confidence is contagious but so is a lack of confidence if if you go to the doctor this week already people i i have a friend over here one of our attorneys and i went to shake him i love what he does if he's ever sick because i go up and i shake people and i grab them i shake them it sounds like i'm demonic you know i just i just love people and i went up to grab him and as soon as i did he goes don't like okay because, you know, he usually gives me a hug. I give him a hug. He goes, I'm sick. I went, praise God. See, just do me a favor for Pastor Keith. When you're sick, don't <coughs> and shake my hand. And if you've been throwing up or barfing before you got here, don't hug me. Whew, I about bit it then, didn't I? I've been waiting to do that for about 10 years. See, now my confidence is shaking. I've, I've been parading around this edge of this stage for years, and I've never done that, but i tell you what, I about busted it right in front of you in Jesus. Okay, here we go. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It scared me. Okay. I played baseball growing up, and my coach, I got John Matuya in the house. John, will you just stand up? This is a biscuit stud, biscuit player, just got back from the Dominican Republic. There he is. Hey, but, but John. Love you, John. John can swing a bat. And he swings it with confidence. And you even strike out sometimes, don't you? But not much. And when he swings, man, he swings. And he, I've been to several games to watch him. And usually when I go, you hit a home run. I know I don't go to every game. But it's just amazing. But my coach taught me this in baseball. When you swing, make it count. Man, when you miss it, you don't want one of them kind of weak things that you just didn't fall through. Just go ahead and whiff it for the king. Swing hard. And in this life, you want to do things with all your might. Make it count. Now, let's move on because confidence, see, some of you think confidence is a dirty word. Well, you know, if I'm, if I'm confident, you know, they'll say I'm cocky. They might. <laughs> if I'm confident, they'll say I'm arrogant and prideful. They might. If I'm confident placed in God, and it's that fine line of walking humility, allowing him to fill you with his confidence, you'll be strong. No, you'll be unstoppable. Overconfidence is careless leadership. The scripture says, write this verse down, Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before a fall. So I'm not calling us this morning for you and I to be prideful. That's God's opposed to the proud. He gives grace to the humble. 
but we want to walk with him. Listen to Philippians 3.3. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, but we put no confidence in the flesh. This morning, maybe you've got the top ability, athletically, academically, intellectually, whatever it is. That's great. But please don't be misguided and think that that's your confidence. Oh, maybe there's confidence because you've performed well in an area, but you want to not put confidence in your flesh, but confidence in God. Because the flesh will fail you at some point. Lost confidence often comes through defeat and difficulty. When you get defeated, you lose your confidence. When difficult situations come, you get shaken. But you see, God's been teaching me this for a long time. He is into interruptions. And when God interrupts us, it's an opportunity for us to respond to him. It's an opportunity for him to get our attention. Has God been getting anybody's attention but mine lately? On this fast, this 21-day awakening fast we're on, it's an opportunity for us to open our hearts up and our spirits and to be cleansed and to go forward. You know what I'm excited about this week? We're on day eight. Last week, I am so proud of you, Christ community. I just want to come up and I want to hug you if you're not sick. But here's the deal. I was getting reports early in the week. Pastor, when did the headache stop? Pastor, are you kidding? Question mark and go on. I was hated last week. My flesh, our flesh was screaming. This week people are coming in. Praise God. Love Jesus. My intimacy with him is sweeter than it's ever been. Hey, I'm pursuing. Hey, I'm thinking about going an extra week. You go ahead. I'm going to do three and quit. But it's just exciting to see where the body is that we're not going to put confidence in our flesh. Listen to Colin Powell. He says this. The day that the soldiers stop bringing you their problem is the day they've stopped leading them. They've either lost confidence that you can help them or concluded you don't care. Either case is a failure of leadership. You see, if you don't have confidence in your position, you're in trouble. Because you think him or she are going to have the wrong diagnosis. You've got a financial advisor or planner. Do you have confidence in them? i got to tell you, in that market, it's been pretty shaking. You know what I'm saying? But you, you want to have, like, hopefully as your pastor, if you don't have confidence in me, you'll lead like, well, man, you're not going to teach me God's word. I am going to teach you God's word. We're going to center on the cross. We're going to lift high the cross of Jesus. Amen? And so listen to Psalm 71.5. I love this right at the top of your notes. For you have been my hope, O sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. You know, that's one of the things we want to do at Christ Community. We want to take them in the cradle, in infants, in children's ministry, active over there, having a service right now in the theater, and then the youth service on Wednesday night and this weekend and all the things that they do. But since our youth, we want to find confidence in our God. Many of you in this room found confidence in God as a young person. Some of you are like me. It took you to college or adult or maybe later in life or maybe this morning you're still not convinced that god can be trusted but you can put your confidence in him but see certainty confidence but i want to show you something here in first john i i, I want you to turn over to first john chapter five now this is a powerful section of scripture and i've taught through first john before and, I, and that's not my goal here but i want to show you something that could literally uh, shake your life, could change your life, could transform your life, could give you confidence, could give you assurance, could give you peace. Not false assurance, but peace in Christ. I've shared this section with thousands of people as I used to travel and do retreats around the country and speaking to teenagers all over this city and adults for the last 30 years, but I want to show you this. 
In 1 John chapter 5, specifically, turn there. Turn down to verse 13. Well, let's look at verse 12. Whoever has a son has life, and whoever does not have God's son does not have life. And I've written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know. I want you to circle no right there. Starting in verse 13 and verses to follow, seven times in different translations, he keeps saying the word no. He wants you to know. He wants you to be certain. He wants you to be confident. See, I'm, I'm concerned, and I think a lot of people don't have confidence in God. They don't have confidence in their salvation. They don't have biblical assurance. Now, I could go 32 directions here, and I've I got to figure out how I'm going to do this. My goal is not to confuse you. My goal is not to get you to doubt your salvation. My goal is to you to have clarity in your conviction that you have biblical assurance of your salvation. Amen? And let me just tell you, I live in the Bible Belt, just like you. I've, I've only ministered in the Bible Belt, unless I travel. And there are so, much, so many churches that are filled with false assurance. And, and people say, are you a Christian? And in, in our city, in our region, people go, yes, yes, I'm a Christian. I'm not a Jew. I'm not a Mormon. I, I, I'm a Christian. Don't I look like one? What does a Christian look like? Whatever. I mean, sometimes people say, they look like a Christian. I mean, they might be an axe murderer for, I don't know, they're just smiling. They might be a psycho. You know, they might be in the God knows what. We don't know they're a Christian by looking at them. I mean, it looks like I had a Christian T-shirt on. They might have gone to Goodwill and got the T-shirt. You know what I'm saying? I was cleaning out my closet the day, and I was taking T-shirts down to the Goodwill thing. I love to go down there and see the people. And then I got to thinking, so many people are going to be wearing my Christ community stuff. I hope they represent Jesus. I just see them taking a big drink in Jesus' name, or not in Jesus' name, just taking a drink and having my shirt on. Matter of fact, I think I put one there that said Pastor Keith on the back. Oh, man, I, I don't need to do that anymore. Okay, all right. But confidence. Let, let's look here. You laugh. It's my shirt, okay? I'm concerned. Just tell me it's my cousin. <laughs> But he says, I've written this to you who believe that you know that you have eternal life. And then in verse 14, and we are confident that he hears whatever we ask for anything that pleases him. See, we can know we have eternal life if we have the Son, if we have Jesus, if we follow him. And in verse 15, and since we know, there it is again, circle it. He hears us, and when we make a request, and we also know, circle it again, that he will give us what we ask for. If you see a Christian brother or sister sin in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give that person life. But there's a sin that leads to death. And I'm not saying that you should pray those who commit it. All wicked actions are sin, but not every sin leads to death. Look at verse 18. We, what? We think we're God's children. No, it says, we know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. For God's Son holds them securely. And the evil one cannot touch them. Verse 19, we know that we are the children of God, that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Verse 20, and we what? We know that the Son of God has come and he's given us understanding so that we can know the true God. John's just trying to tell you and me this morning. I want you to know. I want you to be confident that you're God's. Not that you simply make a profession. A lot of people just make a profession of faith. That's not biblical salvation. Salvation is when Christ comes to deliver and ransom and rescue your soul. Amen? And you begin, you repent, and you believe the gospel, and you follow Christ. 
I wasn't going to do it, but I got to do it. Today, 34 years ago, tonight, I began my walk with Jesus. I was in my college dorm. I was there yesterday training students, and I rose up out of my bed, and I went over, and I fell on my face, and I cried out for God to save me, and he did. And my life was changed. And I, and, and, am I perfect? Ask Donna. Well, thank you. I, that's really good on the back row when she goes, no. Well, I, I, I'll see y'all. Y'all have a good afternoon. I, you know, wow. No, I'm not perfect. But neither are you. Amen. Oh, thank you. She's going to redeem herself now. There you go. Okay. We're having fun. It's awesome. Slam me in Jesus. No, here we go. All right. So, no, we're not perfect. We, 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 we need Christ here. And Christ began this work in me, following after him, giving assurance, knowing. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. That's my whole prayer. I just want you to be in Christ. You're saying, well, how do I know if I'm in Christ? You get a hunger for his word. You begin to follow him. You begin to do things that you didn't do. You begin to get convicted about the things that are wrong and sinful and that Christ died for. Write this down. Your walk begins to match your talk. You begin to align up your walk with your talk. You still fall short. You still miss the mark. But there's a new nature. There's a new heart. There's confidence. There's assurance. John's got a pastoral hope here. Hey, I want you to learn much of Christ. I want you to depend on Christ. I want you to put the flesh to death. I want you to die that Christ can live. But let's move to this. Oh, we did that. That was fun. Confidence produces awareness. When we have confidence in God, it produces an awareness in our life. One thing, it produces an awareness of his presence. It produces an awareness of sin. Because when you know that you've sinned, when you know you fall short, when you know you miss the mark, when you know you mess up, when you know you've wronged God, when you know you've wronged another person, you're aware of it. You begin to feel bad about it. You begin to feel sorrowful, but that's not enough. You begin to say, I need to be repentant. I need to follow Christ. The, the scripture says there in... Uh, in this verse that we read, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. It's God's will that all should be saved, that all come to repentance and faith in His Son. It's, it's a beautiful thing here, awareness of His presence. But let me tell you what else it does for us. Confidence means we have a helper. I'm grateful for the help of the Holy Spirit. How about you? And when you come to Christ, and when you trust in Christ, and when you grow in the grace and the mercy and the riches of Christ, and you grow up in your salvation, and you work out your salvation with trembling and fear, that doesn't mean that you earn your salvation. That just means your salvation expresses itself. It has muscles. It begins to work. Then God gets glory. And confidence means you and I have a helper that I don't have to live this Christian life on my own because I can't. And he can. I'm not calling you to performance today. I'm calling you to trust and rest and submission. Jeff, we both heard this song, and when he came to me, he says, I want to do this song. I'm going to teach our congregation. I couldn't wait. I've been waiting for this song, Raise the White Flag of Surrender. I just felt like the heavens kind of parted in here this morning, and the glory of God was just shining down, and some of us really meant it. Maybe we all meant it, and God's like, I'm here. I'm here to help you walk in confidence. Let me tell you what else confidence means. It gives us freedom. This morning, we're going to close in freedom, a declaration of who God is. But when you have confidence in the Savior, there is freedom for your soul. Amen? You just, you just have freedom. When you're a right relationship, when you're right with Him, when you know your sins are atoned and covered by the blood of Jesus, 
and you know you're purposing to fellowship with a holy God, you just have freedom. You want to tell others about it. You want to raise the, the flag of surrendering your heart. You want other people to know. Matter of fact, let me tell you something else. This is a, some bonus material. Man, this is so good. I want you to uh, turn. Uh, some of us are reading the Bible right now in a pursuit of God. We're reading it in 90 days. And what were we thinking? But we, you need to pray for us. We got through numbers this week. Praise you, Jesus. Got to Joshua. Love Joshua. Why don't you turn to Joshua? Matter of fact, I'll give you a page, 203. I know that's going to help you a lot. We don't have pew Bibles, so that doesn't do you any good. Unless you got this Bible, you're sunk. But you're, you'll be close. Okay. Early part of the book. 142 in your book? See, you're in trouble. Oh, okay, here we go. I want you to look at Joshua 1, verse 6. Because, see, when we talk about being unstoppable, Joshua followed moses i mean guys girls can you imagine following moses oh my goodness i mean great man of god i think god took him up to mount nebo didn't he matt that's where he died is that right matt <laughs> okay let's make up a mountain all right mount nebo and he hands off and he consecrates and he anoints his friend joshua and joshua's gonna be the leader I want you to look at verse 6. Man, these are great verses. Be strong and courageous, for you're the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to the ancestors I would give them. Now, confident people are strong people. Confident people are courageous people. In verse 7, be strong and very courageous. I'll, that's even stronger. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. And then you will be what? successful people a lot of times ask me pastor does god want us to be successful and i would say all right let me ask again does god want you to be successful yes. that's what his word says you're like i like that i've been waiting for that success prosperity gospel i've been waiting for you to preach it i'm not going to preach it but i'm going to preach god's word and god wants you to be successful as you obey him and, and move on with me. He says, study this book, the word, instruction, continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be true to obey everything written in it. And only then will you prosper. And then will you succeed in all you do. Let me just say this. A lot of us might not be succeeding and prospering because we're not doing the will of God. Do you hear that? We're not doing His will. We're doing our will. We're doing what our flesh wants to do. We haven't checked in with Abba, with Papa, with Father God. We haven't asked the Lord Jesus what he wants. We're just doing what we want to do. That's one of the things that the flesh teaches me, or that the, faith, the fast, the flesh don't teach me squat, but the, the fast is teaching me. Die. Die. Starve yourself from the desires of this world and fleshly appetites like food that you like. Hey, can, can I just go ahead and be real honest? Let me tell you, I had my biggest test yesterday. I've been off caffeine in terms of Cokes and teas for years, so I didn't have headaches, praise you, Jesus. I know some of you hate me right now because I said that because some woman left here today, she was throwing up for about two days, I've been, but I heard she got delivered, praise God. But I walk into a meeting yesterday, and they got, they got firehouse subs for Jesus. They, they're just loaded up, man. And then I walked up to the table, and they had a box of brownies and cookies this big. And I just stood there and looked at them. And then if it didn't get worse, I walked up to the front to start the meeting. And one of our college students comes in. He's all cool, got his bag, comes walking out this. He's got the biggest 
honking bag of M&Ms I've ever seen in my life. And he's getting them by the fistful, just going. And I just said, oh, God, I'm confident in you because this boy's just been reduced. And I just went to the front, and I just said, Holy Spirit, would you take control? And my wife, she went shopping for us the other day, and she worked. She went to about five stores, and she's been slaving for me and our girls, and she had me the right food. I reached in there, had a bag of grapes. I did. Had some pasta. Had a bottle of water. It was awesome. Now, I, got a, I ain't going to lie to you. It wasn't near as awesome as what I was watching them eat. But here's the point. I got to get a little more focus on God. And just saying, Lord, I need you. I, I got to be confident in you, God. Man, this flesh is going to lead me astray. God, I can't do it. In verse 15 there, John, he says he, he hears us, and we know that we have what we ask of him. If we trust him, uh, it's powerful. Let me, let, me, let me get you to see this. It gives us freedom, and confidence in God results in a powerful prayer life. You see, you believe that God hears you when you know him. Matter of fact, you don't believe that. You know, you trust, you're confident that God hears your prayers. You're confident that God is doing something mighty in your life. And when you pray, you see, if you're walking with God, people will sense that about you. They'll sense the presence of the Lord, and you begin to share in the Spirit of Christ. And what happens is, your life gets uh, results, answers come. How many of you have had some answered prayers this week? Anybody had any answered prayers this week? About 32 of you. Wow. But God wants to answer our prayers. If we'll just call on him, if we'll just believe him. But I want you to move with this. you you got to see this. This is incredible. It's not in your notes. I want you to write down 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. This, this is probably the most powerful passage Outside of 1 John about confidence, knowing that my sins are forgiving, knowing that I know Christ, knowing that I have eternal life because I have the Son. But I want you to see this. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and I'm going to read it from the message from Eugene Peterson. He says, don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. And then he uses this line. I want you to write it down. Cultivate. God confidence. Grow in your ability to lean and trust and rest in Him. Oswald Chambers says, Faith is a deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand at the time. Have you ever been there? You just didn't understand why you were doing, but you knew the Word told you to do that. You, you heard the voice of God, and He said, I want you to do this. He led you to do this. The Holy Spirit prompted you to do that. You didn't understand, but you knew it was his character. And then maybe in time you saw why. Martin Luther says, Faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace, so sure and certain that a man could stake his life on it a thousand times. That's what I'm praying this morning. You'll just stake your life on Christ. Jeremiah 17, 7, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. This morning... I just beg you, don't put your confidence in your looks, in your abilities, in your degrees, in your accomplishments, in your possessions, but put them in Jesus. He'll never fail you. He'll never let you down. He's a good God. He's a confident God. And he gives you and me confidence if we come to him.
This morning, I'm praying that God's going to fill us with confidence. I, I've been thinking about the life of Moses. I'll just give you the passage. I won't read them for sake of time, but I want you to look up the day, Acts chapter 7, starting in verse 22 through 33. And there's a model of Moses where he goes out and he prepares himself for what God has. Then there's a season of self-confidence in the life of the man. Then there's a season of the, uh, the earth-shattering experience where it gets tough. And then there's a, a degree that he gets when he's in the desert. But then I love what he gets. He gets a push from the bush. He goes over to the bush and he encounters God. And Moses would scream to you and me, and Joshua would tell you and me this morning, be confident in God. Be confident in who he is. He is the great I am. Not I was. I am. I am God. Every time Moses says, I'm not, that was an expression of a lack of confidence. But then when God said, Moses, I am your confidence. Exclamation point. This morning, what are you confident in? You say, well, Keith, if, if you knew what I'm able to do, if you knew my abilities, I know a lot of you, I know, you, man, you're very gifted, very blessed. But are you confident in God? Right there at the very bottom of your notes, there's a verse I found studying this week. It says, don't throw away your confidence. Let me see if I can get there. Don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. If our confidence is not in us, not self, but it's in him, don't throw it away. Don't cast it aside. God will reward confident, assuring faith if we'll trust him. 2 Corinthians 12.10 says, That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then, and only then, am I strong. Man, if Paul came up this morning and he just sat down with us, he'd go, guys, look, man, I got pedigrees, I got degrees, I got elegance. I, man, I was a, man, I was a gospel terrorist before I came to Jesus. Man, I got it down. I'll just take all y'all out. But I got nothing. I'll put no confidence in who I am. I'll put it in Jesus. And as he put it in Jesus, man, Christ changed and touched him. Psalm 25, 2 from the Amplified says, Oh my God, I trust, I lean on, I rely on, I'm confident in you. Let me not be put to shame or be disappointed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. So this morning, I think about Paul, I think about Moses, I think about Joshua. And if I had time, I'd start reading the Psalms to you, Psalm 27 and other passages. But I'd I, I think about David, and David would go, Hey, I killed a lion, and I killed a bear. That's something. No, David would go, Hey, I slayed Goliath. I killed a giant. And you go, Man, that, that's pretty big. It is. But you know what David would say to you and me? He'd go, I'm confident in my God. My God was with me. My God led me. My God lives. He's Jehovah. He's here. David had an unswerving confidence 
in him. So this morning, I'm just praying that you'll leave here going, well, what are you trying to say? I want you to be unstoppable. I don't want the world, the enemy, others to knock you and you slow down and you get paralyzed. I want you to make advancement in Jesus Christ and you go and you advance the gospel. And Christ will get all the praise and all the glory. He's God. He is with us. He is the great I am. Matt shared with me several weeks ago from Louis. And it's what I pray you see this morning. I hope you see this. I hope when I come in here, sure, there's an entertainment factor. I don't apologize for that. I, I, I think that's good. But here's what I hope you see. I hope you don't see this frail, this crazy man. I hope who comes on this platform is Jesus. And that you see Jesus Christ exalted in the temple every time we gather. And when I look at you, I see Christ in you. And that will give me confidence for the future. He is here. Do you know him? Bow your heads. Lord Jesus, this morning you've called us to yourself. You are the living God. You're a living Savior. And you're inviting people right now in this room to make a simple surrender of their lives. Lord, maybe they're saved. Maybe they're confident today. They have salvation. Bless the Lord but they haven't lived an unstoppable, confident life. I pray today, God, that you would shake people and give them a new foundation built on you and that you would rise up today, Lord Jesus, in believers with new force and new power. Secondly, Lord Jesus, maybe there's some here today and they've never trusted you. They've never called upon you. They've never asked you to be their Savior and Lord. They've never cried for deliverance, for salvation. Or they've doubted, or they've prayed a prayer, but man, there was no change. The day they're saying, Lord, I surrender. I raise my flag, Lord. I need you. God, I can't do it. Would you do it in me? Would you change my heart, oh God? God, you, I know you'll do it. I've seen you do it over and over and over. Do it, God. Do it in me. Do it in the people in this room. Change our hearts, God. Let us follow you all the days of our life. That we one day will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Set us free this morning, Lord Jesus.